Welcome to Conversations, a podcast by Christ Presbyterian Church of Auburn, where we get to sit down and have a conversation with our pastor, Eric Zellner, and learn how God's Word applies to our lives. Welcome back to Conversations. This is your host, Will Event. Thank you for listening today. Um, this is our second week of the Fruits of the Spirit. Pastor Zellner, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you, Will? I'm doing great. Um, kind of getting right into action because I'm excited for this one. Okay, uh, good. Especially the joy uh, and peace. They're both great. Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I've had more questions about joy. Okay, um, that's great. But kind of getting started, if, if you're listening um, to this podcast and haven't listened to the last one, We'd really recommend you guys go listen to the last one so you can kind of learn uh, the introduction to the fruits of the Spirit. What are the fruits of the Spirit? Um, what is love um, of the fruits of the Spirit? Um, all those are important kind of before listening to this podcast. Um, but getting into action, we're going to go on over joy and peace today. Um, I think starting with joy, but they're so intercorrelated that we'll kind of hit both of them at the same time. Do you care if I read the text real quick for us? We're going to Yes, sir. Yeah, Galatians 5, 22. Uh, just simply says the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law, and those who belong to Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And he goes on to say, if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Um, so let's begin there, and then go ahead, Will. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, no, I just getting kind of asked a question now. Yeah, going over go ahead. Yeah, please do. Um, really, the main question I had is I've heard of joy expressed in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, they can all be connected as well, but they're kind of different. I've, I've heard it expressed as a difference between joy and happiness. Happiness is kind of where you are right now, but joy is everlasting. I've mm-hmm. heard it expressed as Matthew Henry calls it a pleasantness. Mm-hmm. Um, John Calvin calls it. Uh, a quiet gladness of heart. John Piper calls it a good feeling in the soul. Um, I've heard it difference between joy, happiness, and pleasure, kind of threefold differences of what is what. Mm. Um, And just hearing all these things, especially for me, and and I'm sure for a lot of the listeners, kind of makes it hard to be like, what is joy? What is true joy as expressed in scripture? Mm -hmm. So what is true joy? Yeah, it's a great question. You know, when you when you do just simple uh, search of the word, it's a it's you know whether it in its Hebrew version or its um, Greek version, you you have you know several hundred uh, times that that the word joy appears um, two hundred times or more in the Old Testament and the New. And one of the things that you recognize is is it is a frequent use. Uh, it's a frequent word in the Psalms. So the psalmist often speaks of of shouting for joy or being jubilant with joy, um, and and those kind that kind of language, singing for joy, um, praising the Lord with joy, um, that's just a, a really common phrase. When you come to it in the context of the passage that we just read in Galatians, Paul's describing this as as a fruit which the Spirit of God grows within us, and uh, I, going along with what you have said there, there's a, there's a variety of ways to think about it. Um, I remember in my youth hearing a teacher at a camp 
describe joy as simply a deep, settled confidence that God is in control. Uh, I am not sure where that guy got that. I'm not sure. I doubt it's original. Uh, it's probably borrowed from somebody else. But that, you know, that is the the way that I began to think about it in my in my probably teens and twenties. A deep, settled confidence that God is in control. And truly, there is something to that, right? Was it is it Calvin who mentioned it in, in the language of um, something deep and inner, right? Um, the thing that the thing that I consider when I think about joy is that we're really talking about something that's far deeper than a feeling, and all of those make that point. So even if we're trying to boil down the ideas that you just read, all of them make that same point. We're not talking about happiness. Um, there is probably something different than happiness. Uh, the same guy who gave me that definition of joy also said one time that happiness depends on what's happening, whereas joy is a deep, settled confidence. Um, I, you know, and just looking at this particular passage for our study, I actually found a, a quote from Philip Ryken, who's the president of Wheaton College now, he used to be the pastor at Tenth Pres in Philadelphia, and and this was what I f- I thought really touched the uh, the heart of joy. He said, um, "Joy is not so much happiness as contentment. It's the ability to take good cheer from the gospel. It is not, therefore, a spontaneous response to some temporal pleasure." And so, it, if you think about that in the context of the Psalms. Oftentimes, the language of sing for joy or praise God with joy in the heart or joy is for the upright in heart, it makes you think that um, it just suddenly grew and and, uh, exploded out of his mouth, but is really uh, more a heart of contentment. Um, And Riken goes on to say, joy cannot depend on circumstances, um, but it's rather... It's rooted in the sense that our identity is found in Christ. Um, And that seems to me to be the place where we want to begin to think about what joy means. That um, joy goes deeper than uh, the circumstances that I'm facing today. But the fact that I'm facing circumstances today, I may have joy even when the circumstances are not good, simply because I know that my life is deeply buoyed or anchored by my identity in Christ. Um, So, for instance, and and this is, um, if we just think about various circumstances that people might be facing, let's think about um, failing a test, uh, your girlfriend or your boyfriend breaks up with you, you get an awful diagnosis from the doctor, um, you're in a relational conflict and you don't have, uh, it's not going well. Any, in any of those circumstances, you, you might be able to uh, recognize that there would be something deep and more settled in you that would be content even in the midst of this. Uh, if I fail a test, my identity is not actually rooted in how I performed on that test, but rather that I am a beloved child of God, uh, called by the name of Christ. I have a righteousness that's not my own. Uh, but you know, and that's just that's just my identity today. But it, it also speaks to things that are long term, right? Eternal. Um, the writer to the Hebrews in chapter twelve talks about the fact that we've inherited a kingdom that cannot be shaken. But he's using that by quoting a an Old Testament prophet Haggai about God shaking the world. 
And uh, it seems to me that joy is, by definition, uh, the, the certainty that your identity is so rooted in Christ that when the Lord shakes the world, when trials shake your world, that joy is that uh, certainty that resides underneath it. And it's not, um, it's not necessarily a feeling so much as it is a, sure, a surety. Um, I don't know if that helps. What are your thoughts on that, Will? No, that does. Calvin actually has a good quote on this, too. He says, Christians rejoice even while they truly sorrow, because their rejoicing mm. is in the hope of heaven. While joy overcomes sorrow, it does not put an end to it. Yeah, yeah, and isn't that an honest perspective? I mean, so many people, whether in our church or other churches, will will know that this world is full of sorrow, but joy has is a spirit given um, certainty of eternal things, and and so much of the Christian life is really meant to be that, and uh, that's why. It was. I think it's a good and right way for us to approach this to to talk about joy in conjunction with peace. Um, so one pastor ref- referred to it uh, this way as by way of the distinction: um, if joy speaks of the exhilaration of the heart that comes from being right with God, then peace refers to the tranquility of mind that comes from saving relationships. Um, and he means, of course, that that in this sense, we are also, we're not only, we have joy because of our identity, but we are also at peace with God. Paul's going to say in Romans chapter 5, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Um, and and he, he said that because we have been justified by faith. Therefore, we have peace with God. And then that peace with God goes on to uh, deal with and infect our relationships with other people so that we can live at peace with others because we're not in a great conflict with our Father in heaven. Now, how, how do joy and peace connect? Um, the, the fact that my identity is rooted in Christ and the fact that all of the promises of eternity are bound up in, in him, even when circumstances shake me as they can, um, this sense of joy that I have also gives me a sense of well-being, and that's really the sense of peace. Right? I'm not in tension or calamity. Um, because the Lord has built joy into my heart, circumstances, though they might bring me sorrow and though I might be shaken, um, it doesn't have to disrupt my eternal peace. Now, I would I'm reminded of... Uh, I think it's somewhat common or maybe even a known quote. James Montgomery Boyce, who uh, was the pastor at 10th Pres in Philadelphia before Philip Ryken was, was diagnosed with cancer. And uh, when he announced to, the, to his congregation that he was diagnosed with cancer, he, he, uh, he said, many of you have asked uh, to pray for me, and uh, I, I really appreciate you desiring to pray for me. I would remind you, uh, as you pray for me, to remember that the same God to whom you pray is the God who allowed me to have the circumstance of cancer, um, and and what he meant by that was not, hey, it's a death wish. God's determined that I'm going to die, but he was trying to remind them that that the sovereign Lord who um, to whom they were crying out for help was also the sovereign Lord who gave him the very circumstances we have that he had. Now, I say that because when you consider joy and peace together, very often, and this is I think where the rubber meets the road for you and me and our listeners, 
um, very often when circumstances come our way that we don't like and they make us scared or fearful, our first default is to think that somebody else brought these on us or even I would I did such stupid things that I brought them on myself or even somebody hates me and is being unkind uh, or there's a cosmic um, a cosmic uh, universe that's trying to crush down upon me. And Boyce's, Boyce's reminder in the midst of the diagnosis of cancer is, I have peace and joy because my God is sovereign, right? And so it is not just in that sense that peace and joy are rooted in my identity in Christ, but also in the fact that God is sovereign over all things. So if I belong to, to Christ by grace through faith in him, then uh, the Lord's promise is that he has not meant any of this for calamity. But it is a testing, it's a shaping, and I should pray for endurance. I should pray for the strength to stand up under it and to even know the sense of joy and peace in the midst of the circumstances that I would never have chosen for myself. No, that's really good. Um, I had, I mean, I had a question kind of going back to love. Where does love fit into joy and peace? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, the uh, I think the way that it's connected, I, I do have a, John Stott spoke to this a little bit. He said this is a, a triad in, uh, of general Christian virtues, and yet they seemingly uh, are concerned with our attitude towards God. His description is this, for a Christian's first love is his love for God. His chief joy is his joy in God. His deepest peace is his peace with God. Uh, and I do think that's, that's, a hel- that's helpful by way of a pithy short description I think if I was to flesh that out, I would explain it like this. Uh, as, uh, as God has poured his love into his people uh, and made certain my salvation because of his definitive love, then I, I love him in response because of that great love. But it's if he does not first love me, there is no joy because my outcome is uncertain. And therefore, my, I have no peace either, because if God doesn't love me, I am not at peace with God. Um, but by virtue of his saving grace through faith in Christ, because he poured his love out on me or you or whatever sinner would embrace Jesus, um, because he has poured out his love, then I have an established sense of peace that the God who loves me has stabilized the universe that I dwell in so that nothing will be shaken that he does not want to be shaken. Nothing in my life will be uh, disrupted that he does not want to disrupt. And when he does those things, the, the writer to Hebrews would say, those are disciplines of a father who, who loves us, which in uh, the connection with the Apostle Paul would be, because he loves me, I have a kind of, uh, contentment with my circumstances and a deeper level of peace because I know that this is ultimately not to destroy me. Um, if if God was anything fickle, you would not have any of that peace and you would certainly not have any of that joy. Um, and if love defined by God was just a feeling, then it could be forfeited by my stupid actions and yours, you know. But since his love is actually a decisive choice uh, to choose us, um, 
then it is I am held in his hands, not by the strength of my grip, but by the certainty of his grip on me. So I think those are that's the connection of the three together. Yeah, that was really good. Good. I was hoping to catch you off guard with that one. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I hope that I I think that's uh, that kind of helps encapsulate the three love, joy and peace and how they fit together. Hopefully that's something that uh, can be useful for our, our folks who are listening. Thanks, so too. Thank well, you. thank you, Pastor Zoner. Yeah, thank you so much. Man. And thank you, everyone, for listening. <laughs>